Hello, Internet, and anyone listening, I'm Angelique, and this is episode six of Read Your Heart Out. Last week was all about the oldies with five of my favorite classic book recommendations. And this week, we are moving away from fiction and taking a firm step into the real world. That's right. We're talking nonfiction, everybody. Full disclosure, I'm not a huge nonfiction person. I tend to gravitate toward fiction when it comes to my reading, only because reading's kind of this escape and this outlet for me. And I'm not usually in the mood to like learn something or get educational with it a lot of times, but that doesn't mean I don't read nonfiction. I'm just definitely more of a fiction person than a nonfiction person. Um, but that's okay. For today's list, with the exception of this first one, uh, there's kind of a theme running through them of having to do with the criminal justice system in some way, shape, or form. And unfortunately from you guys, maybe, if you don't really dig that, I just kind of stray towards criminal justice-themed nonfiction works when I am in the mood to get educational because that's my field of study. So that's just kind of where my interests lie. But I do think it's a pretty prevalent theme right now and an issue we should really educate ourselves about because there are so many conversations being had about America's criminal justice system. And we should come to conversations with an educated mindset before we start giving opinions or saying things that we don't may not like know all that about. And I think that there's plenty of books on this list that would allow us to more easily have these kind of conversations, especially with people who might not know as much. These can help you to kind of correct some other people in your life. So with that said, besides the first one I'm going to read, this is kind of a weird little criminal justice episode. It touches on it in a bunch of different ways, but I just noticed when I put all the books together that they have that theme running through them. Um, but that's okay. So let's kick this thing off. All right. We're going to kick this thing off with one of my favorite books I've ever read. And that is A History of the World in Six Glasses by Tom Standage. Guys, I love this book. I am obsessed with this book. I am forever and always recommending this book to anyone who asks me what they should read next because it is hands down one of the most interesting pieces of work I've ever read. As the name implies, Standage tells the story of human history through the lens of the drinks we made and how they shaped us. Starting with beer, our trip progresses through two more alcoholic drinks, wine and spirits, and then three caffeinated drinks, coffee, tea, and cola, and all the ways that these beverages were able to unite humankind. Some social, others economical, but all vital to the lifeblood of human progression, this book was able to paint a stunning and straightforward picture of our journey through life and civilization, an amazingly written book that had me spewing random facts at people whenever I could because they were just too interesting to keep to myself, and there was just too many jammed into this book to not share at least a few. A History of the World in Six Glasses will have you looking at not only your favorite drinks, but also human history in a completely new way. It is a perfect read for any level of reader. This book is just a pleasure to get through and a perfect way to impress your friends with all the cool beer and wine facts that you learned. I'll share one quote from this book to try and give you a good example of the kind of tone and writing we're going for. Quote, toasting someone's health before drinking beer is a remnant of the ancient belief in beer's magical properties and beer's association with friendly, unpretentious social interaction remains unchanged. It is a beverage that is meant to be shared, whether in Stone Age villages, Mesopotamian banqueting halls, or modern pubs and bars, beer has brought people together since the dawn of civilization, unquote. 
Now, come on, doesn't that sound so interesting? Like it is just such a cool idea and concept for a story and such a cool way to look at the history of life and the history of us as human beings. So if you're looking for a more casual nonfiction read or one that you can still learn things, just fun things, and then check out A History of the World in Six Glasses by Tom Standage and let me know what you guys think, what your favorite drink chapter was, maybe what your favorite fact from it was, because I will be here ready to celebrate how awesome this freaking book is. All right, everyone, it's time to get educational up in here with the remaining nonfiction recommendations on this list. Like I said earlier, these all have some weird connection to the criminal justice system in some way, but they aren't true crime books. So don't worry about that if you are a person who's not really into true crime. They just have to kind of do with that world, but they're not like about crimes or gory or gross in any way, shape or form. But they are, however extremely poignant and beautifully written works of art that highlight and showcase areas of our country that are in desperate need of overhaul and reevaluation. With that said, the first book I'm going to talk about is American Prison by Shane Bauer. I recommend this book all the time. It is a perfect look into the way our attitude towards policing and corrections have shaped the lives of prisoners and prison guards alike. This book sees our author Shane Bauer go undercover as an entry-level prison guard at a private prison in Winfield, Louisiana. While there, he experiences firsthand the kind of unimaginable treatment thrust on inmates, as well as the deeply punitive attitudes of his fellow guards. Over time, we watch as Bauer struggles to maintain his own identity and morals while having to mold certain parts of his brain in order to complete his work. The slow descent into anger and physicality that Bauer goes on, goes through shows how we have found ourselves in a criminal justice system full of hot-headed and angry individuals looking to push, push punishment and deliver skewed forms of justice. Not only is the insight into the psyche of prison guards important, Bauer also goes into the history of private prisons in America and the direct connections to Civil War era politics that they still carry. This book is a perfect place to start if you're looking for an introduction into our criminal justice system and the prison industrial complex that has ravaged our country's minority populations for decades. If you have paid attention at all over the past year, you're probably aware how important this topic has become to the discourse of the American people. And if you are looking for a more educated stance to be able to join these conversations, then I implore you to read American Prison by Shane Bauer. It's such a perfect stepping stone into this conversation and into this whole dynamic because we can't really understand why our systems are as broken or troubled as they are without really understanding the attitude. And that's how this book relates to the criminal justice system. It's all about the attitude put on by these prison guards and by these prison officials, anyone in charge, really, just the way that we are viewing inmates and especially privatized prisons who have incentives that are definitely not moral and definitely not what we should be doing in our country for us being so developed. But it goes into all of these kinds of things. It's It was an eye-opening book. It was a disturbing book because of the realities of it. But it was a really, really important one. And that's most of the reason why I recommend it so much because with everything that happened with George Floyd last year, and then just, you know, the past four years, I can tell that people want to learn more about this subject. And Shane Bauer's writing is a really easy way to get into it without being overwhelmed by information or feeling like 
the complexity of the subject is just too much because it is a very complex and hard conversation and uh, discussion matter to have with when it comes to our criminal justice system. But Shane Bauer's language is easy. He's the everyday guy and he goes through this experience and he turns into these things that we as outsiders might think I could never become that. How does that happen? Well, it doesn't happen by accident. And that's what this book shows is that it's not just a bunch of angry, terrible people. It's the system itself creating this anger and creating this discrimination in our individuals and in the system itself. So if that sounds interesting, and it is, I promise, then please check out American Prison by Shane Bauer and then let me know what you thought. Okay, next up is Chasing the Scream by Johan Hari. This book is all about addiction and drugs and the impact both play in nearly every major element of our country's structure. The writing of this book is so beautiful and gripping and full of life and emotion that it actually inspired the topic of my thesis paper that I had to write to graduate from my master's program. I read this book and I was like, I need more information on drug addiction because he completely opened my eyes and made me look at a lot of things in a brand new way. Drug addiction and addiction in general is so much more universal and widespread than we've been led to believe. Society has had this lens when looking at drug addicts or homeless individuals who tend to also be drug addicts. And through it, we paint a picture that labels these individuals as low lives, as junkies, and as not worth the time or energy to help. In reality, these people are our family members, our friends, coworkers, acquaintances who have all turned to substances as a coping mechanism for whatever life threw at them. They are not self-destructive wastes of space. They're human beings suffering from the weight of past or present experiences. And what I love about this book is the way it shines a light on how people from all creeds and colors are affected by this widespread issue. There is no special type of person who falls into addiction. It's any type of person. Hari also dives into the war on drugs and the devastating impact these social and criminal structures created for minority groups specifically, but also for the entire country at large. The criminalization of drugs has been proven to be ineffective at stopping the use and sale, just like it was proven ineffective in other instances of prohibition tactics in the past, like alcohol prohibition. But we as a country still feel we have the right to tell people what they can and can't put in their bodies. And I am a huge proponent of not doing that. I don't think that we have the right to tell people what to do, knowing that drugs are harmful, uh, knowing that alcohol is harmful, all these other things. We can't tell people not to do them or put them in their body. It's their own autonomy and their own life. And especially not when policies are purposely created around substances that are known to be consumed largely by Black and Hispanic Americans. So it's not even like... They can make the argument that we're doing it to protect when in reality you're kind of targeting. That's my take on it. But addiction and the war on drugs are still playing a major role in today's societal structure. And this book is a perfect place to start educating yourselves on the realities of drug use and abuse and the pathways that drugs can lead to once you get through the criminal justice system. It is a moving piece of art that shows a stark truth and reality that we have built for ourselves in this country. Chasing the Scream is a masterpiece of nonfiction writing, and Johan Hari is a true artist at work. And while some may just present the problems without offering solutions, he also doesn't 
just leave it at that. He offers solutions. He gives examples of countries who have changed the criminalization laws around drugs and the successes that they have seen, or instances of methadone clinics that can help drug addicts move on from their addiction and overcome the obstacles of needing to have that hit every time. And that, you know, that's just kind of the reality. If we don't have to, if we don't have to worry about obtaining drugs or worrying about how I'm going to get the money to do these kinds of things, then these people will take care of themselves. It's just the rat race to try to get the drug that leads to such terrible outcomes like homelessness and and chronic unemployment and all these kinds of things. They're not just throwaway people. They're our people. And we have to start thinking of them as people instead of just nobodies. And that's really the most like loud and poignant part of this book was that the humanization of this problem, which as a person who grew up in a time when you know, drugs are just now really starting to be normalized in a way that they weren't. And, and we did look at people like that. We looked at homeless or drug addicts in this really negative, terrible way. And, and that's the, the culture ingraining it in us, but we can change that understanding and that dynamic. And if you do want to change it, then check out Chasing the Scream by Johan Hari and then hit me up because you'll probably want to discuss a lot of what happened in that book. But let me know what you guys think. Okay, this next recommendation comes with a bit of a content warning if sexual assault and rape are triggers for you. I know I said no true crime and this isn't true crime. I promise it's a memoir from a rape survivor and it is so gorgeously written that I had to include it on this list. The book is Know My Name by Chanel Miller and is the story of the victim of the Brock Turner rape case that gained traction in the news a few years ago. Um, it follows the life-changing path of being a victim of these crimes through the eyes and voice of one. Chanel Miller, first of all, before anything else, is one of the most talented writers I've ever read. Her voice is strong. It is bursting with power and emotion, but is wielded with finesse, even when speaking of, of emotions that are messy and wild. I found myself unable to leave her voice and story, even when I was raging at the injustices and crying and frustration at the slander being said of her and of victims in general. The conversations Chanel is having in this book should be necessary reading for everyone. America as a country needs to start talking about our own brand of rape culture, of our college sexual assault and responses of, from universities that is distinct to this country, and to start talking about the dialogue that surrounds victims in these types of crimes and how detrimental it has been over this past few years and how harsh of a lens we look at the people who should be thought of first at all times. It's been shown time and again how lenient we are with male perpetrators and how suspicious we are and probing we are of every aspect of the victim's lives. This case was known most for the headlines defending Turner that said that he was an accomplished swimmer and he was an all-star uh, academic athlete and and we had people from that he went to high school with like testifying on his character and saying that there's no way he could ever do these things and and, and that was truly a defense for a lot of people was, well, he did all these other good things, so how can he do all these bad things? But when it came time to Chanel, it was 
a micro inspection of everything she did that night leading up to her her assault and and then everything she did after and it's like the weight of suspicion that falls on the victim instead of the perpetrator is just mind-blowing and a really unique thing to sexual crimes more than anything else um as she said in her own words, Chanel, this is another quote, I didn't know that if a woman was drunk when the violence occurred, she wouldn't be taken seriously. I didn't know that if he was drunk when the violence occurred, people would offer him sympathy. And that quote sums up the view of sexual crimes in our country pretty damn perfectly. I encourage everyone out there to read this book and hear the voices of victims that have been hard to hear for just far too long now. And for Chanel... Chanel's voice is just so fucking beautiful. Pardon my language. It is beautiful. I was just blown away by her talent. Like her story is one of triumph and overcoming and and beauty in and of itself. And that was also this huge chunk that I took from this book of just like her power and her strength. But her talent as a writer is unbelievable. Like unbelievable. I was just so moved by her just everything she had to say and and the way that she described feeling so lost and and her way of describing that she was out of control it felt like um you're doing a pretty like poised way of describing out of control to me like her words are just just breathtakingly beautiful i just cannot recommend that enough and even though this subject matter might be a little bit difficult to get through or approach or any of that i had to include it on this list because one this is one of the more important conversations we should be having. Half of the planet are women and one in three women experience something like this at some point in their life. So it's not just a small percentage. It's not just not me. Well, it wasn't me this time because it can be you if you're a woman at any point in time. And that doesn't even go to say the way that sexual crimes are viewed against men as well. We, we have a terrible frame of mind when it comes to prosecuting sexual crimes of any kind. And they are different for male and female victims because there's different reasonings behind them, but it's all just effed up and it all needs to be like, you know, approach. And the, the easiest way to do it, like with all these other books I'm recommending is, is educating ourselves and learning. And when it comes to these kinds of crimes where we so often don't listen to the victim, a really great way to educate yourself is to listen. And Chanel, she is just speaking for everyone in a way that like, I wish she could speak for me for the rest of my life because her writing is just so goddamn beautiful. But that is Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Give it a try and let me know what you guys think. All right, we've made it to our final recommendation on this list, and it is probably the one that has the most to do with the criminal justice system, but also one of the most educational books on the subject that I've ever read. It is Locking Up Our Own by James Foreman Jr. This book looks through the major points in American history that led to the kind of mass incarceration we see in our prisons today. What's different about Foreman Jr.'s book, however, is that he, as an African-American man, highlights the ways that African-American sentiment in the decades of the 80s and 90s played a major role in the policies we later saw enacted. At this point in time, it can be hard to understand how we got to this point in our punitive history, 
But this book showcases the nuances and fears at the times of these policies that allowed them to be passed through legislatively. In a world where nothing is truly black and white, Foreman Jr. takes you through the gray in a polished, relatable voice full of worthy criticism, but also natural empathy. More so than anything, this book left me with the feeling that we can't fix systems we don't truly understand. And in order to start overhauling the criminal justice system in the much needed way that it should be, we have to realize the paths that led us to this moment. It wasn't all born of hatred and discrimination, not saying that there isn't plenty of that in there right now, but majority of what we know today was born of fear and Understanding that fear is a really important step in the process of change. Foreman Jr. puts the realities and truths of our current system down on paper in a way that can't be avoidable. His words and the facts he uses to back up what he's presenting have such a large weight to them, it's impossible not to feel their importance. And in this current time, when the the way that we're looking at criminal justice and policing has gotten a lot, um, you know, more scrutable and we're looking a little harder and deeper at the things that are working and are not working. This book kind of digs into the dirt and finds those roots that we may have overlooked when we came to the blame game or where to put our attention on the, to fix things and that kind of thing. It's not to say that African-Americans played as much of a part in our current criminal justice system as everybody else. It is saying, though, that a lot of African-American sentiment was an easy way for white politicians to enact their kind of, you know, shitty discriminatory policies. Because during the crack epidemic and the um, high crime of the 80s and 90s, African-Americans were terrified. They were scared for their lives and they wanted a crackdown on these people that were killing their children, just like really anybody would. And at that time, our current punitive system looked just absolutely nothing like it does right now. So for them, they wanted this harsher jail set like structure to keep these people off the streets. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. Once the crack epidemic subsided, once the crime rates started slowly trickling or manifesting in fewer areas than more widespread areas. Well, we were stuck with these really harsh policies and a lot of them have to do with drugs that were created. And it's crazy. There's this one part in the book that talks about when both sides, Republican and Democrats were bringing a bill for sentencing on drugs up to debate or whatever. And they're literally just going back and forth saying, well, we'll give 10 years for this offense. And then the other side says, well, we'll give 15 years. Oh, well, we'll give 20 because the demand to keep people in jail at the time was just socially so high that it was literally like a bidding war to keep people in fucking cages. It's just like the most absurd, insane realist realism of our country that we might not even realize happened. And again, like all these other ones, they're kind of all highlighting different parts of our criminal justice system in different areas that are weak. And this one is probably the most just well-written. And like how I said, the the topic is um, complicated. 
this one does a really good job of making it not so complicated, just like Chasing the Scream did and just like all the other ones did. So that was Locking Up Our Own by James Foreman Jr. I really, really, really recommend that one. I actually just recently read it, but I, I knew that I would be talking about it soon because it just stuck with me and it was such a great, well-written book. So check that one out and then let me know what you guys think. And that is all she wrote for this nonfiction episode. Like I said earlier, the genre of nonfiction is one that I don't really tend to spend too much time with, but one that's vast and full of varying types of stories. So I'm working on expanding my nonfiction library as best as I can, and we'll most likely have another episode for this genre at some point in the future. But for now, I'll look forward to next week's chat, which will probably get back into that weird territory that I just love so much with some science fiction book recommendations. That's right, everyone. You thought I was bad with fantasy. You only got a taste with what I can be when it comes to science fiction. So until then, stay safe, treat people with kindness, and of course, read your heart out.